I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, May 14, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. So in this segment or in this video, we're going to look at a couple of different viewpoints of the market. A, we're going to discuss the current trend. B, we're going to discuss what turns the market back to the bullish side, what's going to keep it bearish. Is this a dead cat bounce in a downtrend? All that stuff, we're going to cover the whole ball of wax. We'll even cover where the next likely place is when we do, if we do, whether or not we do have another leg down in this move. I will give you the line in the sand resistance point on the upside where the real heavy load of overhead resistance will come into the market. If the market busts through that area, that's bullish. I'll give you the number. We'll do it later. You got to watch more of the video. Before we get rolling, let me first pause. Thank everybody for participating, making comments and posts underneath the video each and every night. I love the interaction, and you know how I especially love the banter back and forth. In addition, if it's worthy and only if it's worthy, hit the thumbs up button on the video and then go ahead and share the video with anybody that you think can benefit from this information. Back to business. What's the current trend? The current trend is down. That's on the daily chart. Period. Full stop. The current trend on the weekly chart is still up. Period. Full stop. The weekly chart, as you can see, still remains above all its moving averages. The trend on the weekly chart is up. That doesn't mean we didn't make a top. Doesn't mean we're not going a lot lower. It just means what it means. The trend on the weekly chart still remains up. Period. Full stop. The market came into an area of support. We discussed this area of support before the market got here. Go back to the previous videos if you don't buy the story. What we also discussed was that the market, when it found the green zone, quote unquote, it could bounce for a few hours. It could bounce for several days. We don't know exactly for sure how long or for how high it may bounce off that level or if it'll even bounce off that level at all however it has we still don't know how high it will go so here's where it comes in what's the really really important number what's the really really important line in the sand where does the heavy duty resistance come into play let's call it 286.50 could be a little bit on either side but here's the concept remember the term recapture so enter recapture what happens if we recapture the 50 period moving average from a psychological perspective that's going to be a big deal to a lot of investor grade traders slash investors they're going to feel that that's a bullish sign for the market so a day closing back above the 50 that's a good start 
a couple three days closing back above the 50, and likely were being pushed higher by people buying the story that the market's back in a bullish mode, the trend is back to the upside, therefore let's buy the market, we're back above the 50 period moving average. And to an extent, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what we're using is 286.50. Could it be exactly on the 50 period moving average or slightly higher? What I'm saying is if we begin closing up in that zone up there on a daily basis, that's going to be viewed as bullish. So we're looking at the area of 286.50 as the red zone. Could the market make it up to that area in the process of deciding whether or not this is a dead cat bounce or not yeah it can absolutely make it up to that zone it would be also known as pretty much a garden variety retracement these happen all the time this is the way the market works the market goes down the market finds some kind of an interim low the market retraces a portion of the move and the market resumes the current trend Isn't that exactly and precisely what happened on the way up? We go up, we pull back a little bit, the market goes up, it pulls back, it goes up. You know the story. Well, if the trend has turned down, the same thing applies on the other side. If you look in the mirror, you see what? In the other direction. So what do the scenarios look like? Well, let's kind of get a little granular with this daily chart. So let's get a drawing tool out and say... Let's say, for example, we get up to the red zone. That's fair enough. So the market comes down, we find some kind of a bottom, and we begin what we'll call a dead cat bounce. Let's say we get up to the red zone. Doesn't mean we have to do it in one shot. They banter back and forth. You have a down day, you have an up day, you have an up day, you have a down day. You have a big up day. You spike through it a little bit. Maybe you spike through it and close below it. Who knows, maybe it takes two or three days, maybe it takes into next week. Let's say we get up to the red zone and it takes four, five, six days. What would we be looking for? Traders that have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader know exactly what we would be looking for up in that zone. I'm giving you the number, you know what to look for. If you believe that the trend is down and the trend has turned down, then what we would be looking for is once we found some kind of a top, wherever the next top is, maybe it's up here somewhere. What if I'm wrong? What if we get above the red zone? Not meaning I'm wrong. I'm suggesting I don't know how easy it's going to be for the market to get above that red zone. Let's say it does. Well, then all of a sudden, the daily chart trend turns back to the bullish side and we can go higher. Well, then we have to come up with some new numbers. I'm not going to come up with those numbers now. Look where we are. We're just barely off the bottom. So if in fact that does take place, let's just say hypothetically it does. So we had this move down here and you see what I'm going for here is the ABC pattern. So we have the A leg down the B leg as a retracement leg, and then the next leg would be the C leg, which would complete at a minimum of below the first leg being the A leg down. So that's the way it works. And where would that 
next support level be? We'll worry about that if and when we do get another leg to turn down. I had some numbers on the chart last night, but we take those off because it doesn't matter now what they are. What matters is from where we turn down again next, if in fact we do turn down again. So for example, if we rally up to the 20 period moving average and then turn down, the numbers look different than if we get rejected underneath the 50 period moving average. So one way or the other, I'll have the numbers for you. Right now, all we're concerned with is if we're going to rally, where is that heavy duty resistance 286.50, give or take. And by the way, there are more reasons why that's an important area. Some right above, some right below, but any trader that has taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader should be able to identify several areas, several areas on several different charts that point to the reasons why that general area will be overhead resistance. And by the way, there's nothing that says we have to get there. I'm just pointing out if we did get there. What if we wake up to a gap down on Wednesday? What's happening then? Well, if we get below yesterday's low, your first real heavy-duty target is really just above the 200-period moving average. We'll call it the 200-period moving average. We'll call it 277 to 277.50 in that zone would be support if we woke up to a reversal and then below that is your 100 period moving average. So I would expect a spike through that. We'll call it 274 and a half. Might as well mark up the chart. Look at all those colors. There, that's a little more organized. So net net. If we go higher, 286.50. If we can get there, resistance. If we go lower, 277.50, 274.50 next up. Just to put this in another perspective, taking it down to the hourly chart, and you can see where our specific price targets are. The 286.50 and the 287.71, which was the target from yesterday, we're right in the middle. So we're going one way or the other, expect some bantering back and forth, but as long as we stay in between those, we're not really going anywhere. We're going to have to break either to the upside or to the downside to get more real activity in the market. In between, it's just a bunch of traders getting chopped up back and forth. 10% win, 90% lose. That's the way I see it. Before we wrap up the S&P 500 or the spiders, let's discuss volume for a moment. You see yesterday's volume was around 140 million shares down here on the bottom. Today's volume was significantly less. It was about 80 million shares. So I'm not reading into this too, too much, but only thing I want to point out is on a day when we had a lot of sellers out there like yesterday and there were tons of sellers, yesterday was a big down day. It was a big gap down. You see the volume increased. We saw an acceleration in volume. Today, we saw some short covering. We saw some panic buying. We saw some buyers that think there was a bottom and they may be right for a few days. They may be right for a few weeks. They may be right for longer. 
Nobody really knows the ultimate outcome. What I'm trying to do is give you my best definition of what I believe the market is telling me, the way I view the market. And if you're going to view the market the way I view the market, then you're inside my head and it's a dangerous place to be. A couple of other things of note. Remember, it's hard to kill a bull. There are plenty of investors out there that need and want to be bullish. They'll look for any excuse to be bullish. So therefore, they want this to be a bottom. The media would like this to be a bottom. Why? Because bullish markets sell ad space. Bearish markets, people hide under their desks, nobody turns on the television, the ad revenue goes down, nobody makes money in a bear market except those on the right side of the trade. So keep in mind, you're always going to get flash-in-the-pan rallies because there are plenty, plenty of market participants that want and need the market to go higher. Let's take a peek over at the VIX. So yesterday, we looked at the VIX. We discussed that yesterday's high wasn't as high as the previous high, or it didn't surpass the previous high from the 9th. And the market, the S&P 500, was certainly a lot lower. So that was suspect. And herein lies the update today and a collapse in volatility. That happens all the time. It's a garden variety pullback. It's very, very common for the way the VIX trades. The VIX itself will remain bullish with daily closes above $15.80. That being said... You see what's going on even just below that number is moving averages that are sloping upward. So the moving averages on the daily chart are trending higher. The shorter term moving averages, the 20 and the 50, are trending higher. The shorter term trend on the VIX, the daily chart, has turned up. Obviously, we're above all the moving averages. So if we should see the VIX spike down into these moving averages, it's likely a buying opportunity. Next stop, Transportation Department. What's going on over here? Same dead cap bounce that so far we've seen across the other markets. It was a nice, healthy, big update for the transports, but they got whacked yesterday. Garden variety retracement. They're significantly a lot lower from their top than a lot of the other markets. So there's certainly an argument to be made that the transports are essentially ahead of the curve, meaning they're the leading indicator. They've been the canary in the coal mine. I can't say it enough times. Also, the same story as the SPY. If we do get above and close above, not just the one-day wonder, but if we begin closing above the 50-day moving average, we'll have to recognize that the short-term trend will have turned back to the upside. So if that happens, we'll address it at the time. But where we are right now is sandwiched in between the 200 and the 100. There's not much you can do. The question is, do the transports put in a bearish wedge pattern, a bear flag pattern? We don't know yet. We need more information. Therefore, we need more time. Time is always more important than price. Did I skip my favorite market leading indicator, the IWM? I think I did, but nevertheless, it's actually the same story. We had a big drop. We're sandwiched right now. The question is, do we go sideways for a while, which means that it's essentially a bearish pattern setting up for another leg lower, or do we jump above those moving averages, which on this chart is the 50-period moving average 
and the 200, and then the one above is the 20 period moving average. You can see where the trend on the daily chart very, very quickly begins to turn down. The only thing holding the IWM up right now essentially is yesterday's low, a close below yesterday's low, and that's trouble. You can say that this pivot low down here at 148.41 would be support, and it likely would. But right now, a close below yesterday's low would be a very, very negative sign for the IWM. As you know, it's my favorite market leading indicator. So you never know what you're going to wake up to. We may wake up to a gap higher. They may want to fill this gap up here. That's right around those moving averages. It's much of the same story as the SPY. Very similar, similar looking charts. Not from the longer term perspective, but from the last couple of days and from the short term perspective, all charts basically look the same. How about the Qs? Now I want to focus in a little bit here tonight and I want to look at a few stocks that are behind the Qs. We're going to do a little homework. I discuss this all the time. In my view, the Qs are way, way too top heavy. So it's not really a good indication of what's going on under the hood of the market. That's one of the reasons why I like to look at the IWM. It's a much broader index, but it's a small cap index. So there are other reasons why I look at the IWM. But you want to look at a broader index than the Qs, which is why we focus on the spiders. For example, about 40% of the Qs is six stocks. About 50% is about nine stocks. So that to me is a little on the verge of silly. It's silly from a technical analyst perspective. It's smart from an investor perspective if you want to own those stocks in a basket. It's wonderful. But from a technical analysis perspective, it doesn't give a good representation of what's really happening to the market. So the Q's found support where they're supposed to find support. But let's look inside. Let's look under the hood. We're looking for evidence. First up, Microsoft, almost 11% of the Q's. Daily chart still in an uptrend, just came below the 20 period moving average. However, above the 50 period moving average by a lot. So even can come down farther, but still remains in a pretty good uptrend. So there is some room to the downside, but around 118, 117, you would get a lot of institutional participation on the buy side of Microsoft. After that, or below that, it would be all the way down at about 110. But the daily chart of Microsoft doesn't look bad at all. Next up, Amazon. About 10% of the queues came into the 50-period moving average, still teetering on whether or not this is going to stay in an uptrend or not. Can we ride the 50-period moving average for a while? Sure we can. Has there been damage done to this chart? Absolutely. So it's not telling us one thing or the other from a definitive perspective, but I'm watching. About Apple. Apple's also about 10% of the Qs. Now, it was just about a couple of weeks ago that everybody was discussing 220 in Apple. That would have certainly been the short of the month thus far. However, it never got there, but it did drop very, very quickly. There was some damage done on this chart. 
So even if Apple rallied for a while, a few days, tried to get back to 195, still going to find a lot of overhead resistance in that zone. There was damage done to Apple. You can say it's an isolated case. It's tied to China. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. There was damage done to the charts, regardless of the reasons why. It's no longer in an uptrend on the daily chart until and unless it gets back above that 50-period moving average on a daily closing basis and more than just once. Facebook. Facebook represents about 5% of the queues. Where did Facebook find support today? And by the way, why was Facebook down today? We'll get to that in a moment. But you can see we came up short of the 50-period moving average But this was essentially a former breakout area. You can make an argument exactly what to the penny number that is. But you can see where the low was today around 178.5. This was where Facebook consolidated. This is where it broke to the upside. And what did we do? We came back to test a former breakout area. I know most of you have heard me say that just for the first time. But we may see this over and over into the future. But let's get back to why was Facebook down today? I don't really care about the headlines. Don't post anything about the headlines. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is relative weakness. So there's a couple of things going on. Today had relative weakness while everything else was getting a dead cat bounce. So there's something else brewing with Facebook. I'll get to that in a moment. On the other hand... It's still above the 50-period moving average, so technically speaking, it hasn't really broken its daily chart uptrend just yet. So, take it for what it is, Facebook 5% of the queues. Google. Now, Google's also 5% of the queues, but Google has another equity, which is another share class also represented in the queues. So, we'll just say the total is about 8.5% represented in the queues of Google. And Google was down today 10 bucks. This is not a pretty chart. So this is an ugly chart, and this is a chart that's in a downtrend. This is a chart that's already headed to a destination. On the downside, where is it? Ultimately, if the whole market is going lower, it's going to be a lot lower than where it is now. But 1080 should be representative of a decent area of support. But that's not really what I wanted to discuss with Google. When you tie Google and Facebook together, they represent a segment of the market. They represent advertising. What are those charts telling you? What they're telling you is that the ad spend is contracting or will be contracting. That's item number one. And if it's not that, on the other side, we start to hear discussions popping up about privacy. And they're not just about who stole my personal data this time. What it's really about is how comfortable are we as a society? And it's not just in the U.S., right? It's global. This is a global thing. 
So how comfortable are we as a society or are different societies, not necessarily together, but independent of each other, how comfortable are societies with the amount of data that Google and Facebook has? Where's the line? And what's the government going to do going forward? Is the government going to try and impose some regulations? Will that impact the stock? All those things may be in the forefront of discussions at some point in the future with those stocks. So between that and the ad revenue, those would be the overhangs that I see on those two stocks. Now, that being said, I'm a big fan of Google. I want Google to be successful. Google owns YouTube. I love YouTube for obvious reasons. So I'm a big fan of Google. I want Google to succeed. And I think at the end of the day, when we use this stuff, we all know that they have our data. And here's the way I look at it. If you're doing something wrong, you're probably worried about it. If you're not, you're probably not. Cisco's a big part of the queues, well below the 50-day moving average. So this trend has turned down. So you can see a pattern starting to develop here with a lot of the charts I'm bringing up in the top stocks that represent the queues. How about Intel? What's this telling you? Now, not only is Intel represented in the queues, it's under 3%, about 2.7% of the queues, but it also represents the semiconductor space. We look at the SMH all the time, and this is a big component of the SMH. It's about 12% of the SMH. What is Intel telling us? Intel telling us something else is going on. There's something wrong in the semi space there's something wrong with intel as a company we don't know for sure yet doesn't really matter i'm just saying there's something wrong with this chart when you look at the weekly chart you can see we should be into a lot of support but you can see what's going on here we're teetering now this is a weekly chart so you should see institutions buy the market or buy intel down in this 44 45 43 dollar area you can see this is where we broke out once before we retested it the question is is the second test going to hold there's been actually two breakouts so let's look at it this way so we have a market that consolidates and breaks out we come back to test the breakout area we run up again, so the market did what it was supposed to do. The breakout area was, in fact, a breakout area. The market did, in fact, come back to retest it, and it took off again. This is a long-term chart, so this is taking a long time. This is months, right? So then we break lower, but we break hard and fast. So what's going to happen here? Are we going to break through? Are we going to be supported once again at the breakout area and go again or are we going to break down so the question is big i think intel is an important representation of the market and i'm watching intel like a hawk what's doing down at the financial district i'll tell you what the financial district is teetering See the 50-period moving average? It's right underneath where price is right now. So we're teetering, closed below it yesterday, back above it today. We're in a lot of the same position in the XLF that we are on other charts. So we'll have to see. We need more time for the 
story to unfold. But we need to watch the XLF closely. Why? Because without the financials, the market's not going anywhere. If the financials are not rallying, the market's not rallying. If the financials start to melt away, the market is likely not far behind or maybe leading the direction altogether. But we know that the market's not going to get very far on the upside without participation from the financials. That's why we watch the financials. It's one of the reasons. Bitcoin? Who wants to talk about Bitcoin? Well, actually, there's a few people that want to talk about Bitcoin, so I promised I would talk about Bitcoin. What's the price target on Bitcoin? Did we find another top? Are we going to rally to 100,000? We're not going to talk about the big picture in Bitcoin at all tonight. I have to hustle because we're running out of time. This video is getting a little extended, as you know. But what folks wanted to know was what was the near-term target on the upside if there was one on Bitcoin? I did some math and the number I came up with was slightly over 9,000. We didn't get there yet, but I think we should get to a minimum of 9,000. From a technical perspective, it's hard for me to see much above 9,600, but then you have the big fat round psychological number of 10,000. So there are my numbers. It's just over 9,000, then around 9,600, and then you have the psychological of 10,000. We'll see if they can push Bitcoin there. Does the big picture look like we can go much higher or not? On another night, I'll discuss more of Bitcoin in depth. I'll discuss my take in Bitcoin I'm not new to Bitcoin. I might know a thing or two about Bitcoin. We looked at Intel. We have to look at the SMH, and you can see where the SMH was getting smashed. We've been talking about 100 in the SMH. We'll likely get there sooner than later, but what you have here is potentially a dead cat bounce. But again, this is another chart where damage was done. Will they run up to fill the gap, try and test the underside of the 50-period moving average, Try to get over the 50 period moving average. Sure, it's possible. It's only a couple of bucks away. It's not a big deal. They can gap above it and make it look really good. They can rally for a few days. It's certainly possible. Getting back above and closing back above the 50 period moving average will turn heads with the SMH. You'll have bulls come out of the woodwork. If that happens, you will have had plenty of buyers show up in Intel. If you believe the market has bottomed, then it's likely Intel is forming a bottom, and it's likely the SMH is forming a bottom, and there's likely a lot of upside ahead. If you believe the market formed a top, and we're in for a much larger correction than the one we've already seen, then that 44 area on Intel likely isn't necessarily such a good buying opportunity unless you can get in and out relatively quickly. That's what makes a market, folks. There are buyers and there are sellers. There are two views on every chart. We can both be looking at the same chart and come up with two entirely different results. That's what makes a market. That's what keeps this so interesting every single day. And on that, I'm going to give it a wrap. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.
My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis. Music